Well, good afternoon, ladies. We're so thankful that you could be with us today. We're very excited to get to hear from Gianluca and Sonia today. We're thankful that they are here with us, at least for a, another month or two, as they prepare to return to Italy. Let me just open our time with prayer as we all are enjoying our lunches. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so encouraged and blessed after our time of study this week in Revelation, Lord, and after hearing the teaching of your word, Lord. Father, we rejoice to know that we will be before your throne and reigning with you, Lord, and we are eager to see and to be with our Italian brothers and sisters, Lord, for all of eternity, and we know that you have called your elect from that country, and we're so thankful for the ministry that you've given Gianluca and Sonia to do as they go out, Lord, to preach your word and to proclaim your gospel in the city of Florence, God. Thank you for the time they're able to be with us today. We ask that you would bless our time together. Thank you for the fellowship and for the food that we're able to enjoy now. In your son's name, amen. Well, ladies, I just want to remind you that next week is our last Mindset for Missions for the year. We've enjoyed such a wonderful time this semester hearing from so many missionaries. Um, next week, we will be getting to Skype with John and Meg Glass, who have been serving in Switzerland for many years and in France. So we'll be excited to hear from them and talk with them next week. But right now, we do have the opportunity to hear from Gianluca and Sonia. As you heard Lauren say earlier, they are Italian. They have been called by the Lord, both in spiritual sense in their salvation and now in ministry as well. And they're going to come and tell you more about that. So please welcome them up. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm scared. I preach in front of seminary students, and I'm not scared as much as this morning's <laughs> preaching about, talking about in front of you. Well, uh, you got a free ticket to come to Italy. Uh, you showed up, you have a free ticket. Now go back, talk to your husband, and uh, ask him to buy the free ticket, and uh, come and visit us. Yeah, you. I want you to be sure that you understand. Um, we would love to, in the future, if you are anyway around Italy, uh, please, you have our contacts, uh, tell us, and uh, we'll really blessed to have you over and spend some time with us. And I'm asking only to, to make one commitment. If you do that, if you come to visit us, just give us one day of your time, of your vacation, to do ministry together. We're going to go through the streets of Florence and share the gospel with the, with the lost. Let's make the deal. Deal done. Okay. Okay. So, Sonia, we'll start with a little bit of our testimony and then I will continue. Um, I was born and raised in a Catholic family, and my grandmother, who was deeply devoted to Roman Catholicism, she was uh, uh, she had a big influence in my life. She was taking me to the mass every Sunday morning, and she had taught me all about the tradition about the Catholic Church. So she was. Um, telling me to light the candles to the saints, to do the rosary, to pray the whole Mary, to confess my sins to the priest, and so on, and so many other things. But she had never read the Bible to me. Actually, she didn't have a Bible in her house. And when I was 10 years old, my uh, uncle, my father's brother, died one night. He suddenly, at the age of 39, he died of a stroke. And uh, so because of this loss in uh, my family, 
My parents, they started to wonder, what's after death, where he is now, are we going to see him again? And uh, uh, all these questions that no one could answer, could give them, you know, an answer. But one day, my uh, mother's uncle, who was a believer, went to visit my parents and he was able to answer their questions. And they, uh, he just, as a believer, he shared the gospel to my parents. And when uh, he, he started to read the Bible to my parents, and my parents, I, I should say that this uncle was not well accepted from our relatives because he was evangelical, he was going to an evangelical church. So when my parents started to read the Bible and they started to attend an evangelical church, we as a family started to face all the opposition. But my parents, they, they were interested and they were, the more they were reading the Bible, the more they were understanding the false teaching of Roman Catholicism. And so they got saved and I was still young, so I was just following my parents. I went to the, the same evangelical church, but I was indifferent to the gospel. Until when I was 17, I went to a vacation Bible school. And there I was exposed again to the gospel. And I remember that night crying to the Lord and asking forgiveness. Now, I don't know if that night I was saved, but I know that God was uh, um, doing a work, uh, starting a work in my life. And the more I was reading the Bible and the same uh, like my parents, the more I was understanding all oh, the things that my grandmother had taught me. They uh, they couldn't save me, but I could be saved only through the sacrifice of Jesus that Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so um, I was reading the Bible more and more, and at the age of 19, I got baptized, and a year later, I got married. <laughs> and so we've been married for almost 21 years. So now you know my age. <laughs> Well, pretty much uh, almost the story of any, like the 90% of people who attend Evangelical Church has some kind of similar story. Like uh, Sonia, the same, my parents could see, you know, at the age when I was 11 years old, uh, they were uh, not looking for answers. They were not asking questions. A couple of missionaries showed up in the front front door and step door of our house and started sharing the gospel with our parents, with my parents. And for about three years, they were faithfully came. Think about the missionary who planted the church where our parents are still attending. They came to us in our hometown in 1970. No one got saved until the beginning of the 80s. So for 10 years, this couple, just by themselves, were going around door to door to preach the gospel to a, a city that never heard the gospel. The only thing that they knew was you know, Roman Catholic teaching and uh, tradition and uh, the way that they were doing things. So it, takes, it took a lot for this couple to start a church. And uh, both our parents were probably you know, one of the first couples to get saved. They got saved around 1984. My parents, Susanna's parents, 1985. I've known her since she was nine years old. 
I grew up, my sweetheart. So um, I obviously that was the avenue that the Lord also used for me to be exposed to the gospel. So since I was 11, about 16 years old, how many of you know the book uh, Far From Rome, Near to God? I know that uh, she knows it because she, she introduced me to, to that. I didn't know the existence of that book. But as I was flipping through the pages of the book, this book, the title, uh, the, the table content, I found a name, Salvatore Gargiulo. And I was amazed because that's the man that God used to say, to bring the gospel and um, to bring me to Christ. I was at the age of 16. He came to our own church, really close friend to the founder missionary. And preached the gospel that night. Uh, I still remember the chair where I was seated. That chair is still there. And I just, just as Sonia said, Lord, I said, please forgive my sin. Uh, help me uh, to get out of my own uh, foolishness and save me from my uh, destiny to hell. And the Lord was gracious throughout the years, confirming the call for salvation. Uh, at the age of 20, I started serving the church as a youth pastor. Then um, the church went through different serious trials. Elders had problems. So three stepped down. Three elders stepped down. Two only were left. They came and asked me if I was willing to step in in the leadership. As I stepped in, another left. So for about five, six years, I was running the church by myself as a senior pastor, not having any formal school or training like the one that I had now. So I learned the lesson the hard way. But now I, I even more appreciate the, the, the training that I had here at TMS in both degrees for the Master of Divinity and Master of Theology. Wonderful. And so um, around 2008, to make a long story short, 2000, actually 2006, I started studying at a TMAI in Sicily. Uh, I know that you connected with Johnny Gravino in Sicily. He's a dear friend of mine. Um, so in 2006, he was still here. Uh, it was just fairly new, the TMAI. I started doing all the classes there with Dr. Essex, Dr. Grisanti, Dr. Rick Holland, um, and uh, a few others that came over, Dan Dumas, um, Jerry Ragg. Um, and few other pastors from other area, and uh, so when I when I started studying there about expository preaching, I immediately understood that that was a, the thing that I needed was to come at TMS 2009. Phil Johnson was doing a series of lectures on theology, and it was May. We flew from England because I was in England. We were in England for nine months to learn the language. Flew back from England to do the the, the week of theology with Phil Johnson. And for the first time, I didn't need a translator. I could follow Phil Johnson, you know, straight from English. And so that was a very encouraging. And I immediately thought about coming at TMS. So I moved at TMS in 2011, May 2011, after praying for about two years. And now we are here. Exactly. May 14th will be six years that we are in the States. And somebody told me that they're going to give us a right foot fellowship. Go out of here. It's time. Uh, in fact, that's what we want to do. That's uh, we uh, we had to go recently to to see my my father. Uh, the Lord, you know, was very kind and gracious. Uh, he was about to die on Sunday, April 9th, with sepsis. 
they one hospital completely neglected him and uh, he was about to die and then he had to change hospital because that hospital was bad and, and as soon as he moved to the other hospital they gave him the right treatments recovered and now they found out that he has pancreatic cancer so we're looking into the situation but as I was back for short days as I say the Lord put, put more fire in my bones for the need of the gospel so we want to go back to Italy plant a church in Florence our motto is you know is our desire is to church plant and training leaders we want to this is a picture of uh, Florence from the dome of Florence famous building we're gonna see it's right on this side this is the dome and um, we're gonna go there a beautiful city uh, it's a great city to be it's a really beautiful place to live and uh, there are lots of opportunities um, I'm gonna share with you in a, in a little bit so I took personally this picture this is Palazzo degli Uffizi and as I was, I was walking by uh, and see all these people going up and down, uh, the Lord, you know, just in that moment, uh, touched my heart and stopped for a second after I framed this picture. And I pray for these people. And I don't know their story. I don't know where they are now. I don't know where they're going to be. I don't know if they, they will ever have an opportunity to listen to the gospel. But definitely, I pray for them and I ask God, please give them an opportunity to listen to the gospel. And I thought, well, how can they hear if nobody goes? How can, you know, how can I understand the gospel if nobody explains them? So uh, I immediately realized that there was a place to be. Uh, eventually, one day, I was standing on this street and sharing the gospel with Italians and maybe even internationals. Uh, and who, who knows what God can do, right? Uh, so, as you can see, this is another beautiful picture. This is called... Ponte Vecchio, which means old bridge, and it's it's a bridge that was built during the 1400 by Lorenzo de Medici, who was the Duke Padrone of the Duke of Florence, and he built that bridge because it wasn't very well accepted by the population. So at that time, he was living on this side of the bridge, way up here, and he was administrating his power way up here. So to go from here to there, he, he didn't have a bridge. He had to go all the way down to the Arno River to across to the other side and way up here. And he was exposed to the people of the, of the city. And the people didn't like him. And many times they attacked the, uh, you know, his cart, uh, attacked him with stones and stuff like that. So he decided to build a bridge which is wall both sides, a little bit covered up. And even this part is covered. And you know how he called this way, this, this, yeah, this way, the secure way, the secure way. And I'm going to stand on the bridge, Lord willing, with, uh, with my, my Bible in my hands, explaining how this bridge figuratively presents a secure way from us to get from here to God, from here to heaven. And that's Jesus Christ. So think about a flyer with a beautiful picture of the, uh, of the bridge and say the secure way. And you, you read the story and you flip the, the flyer and you read about Jesus Christ who is the only way, the truth, and the life. So 
Florence gives us a lot of opportunity. This is only one example of the many ways we can use our art architecture to introduce the people of Florence to God. More or less just what Paul did when he was uh, in Athens. And as he was looking at all these gods and all this architecture, and he was troubled in his art, say, hey, I cannot be quiet. I, I, I use everything that I have just to introduce these people to the gospel, to introduce these people to God. So uh, our motto is changing a nation one at a time. If you can say figuratively, change a nation's heart one at a time. We want to focus not on the mass, not on 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 people as a group drawing people to us. We want to take one person at a time and be sure that the gospel becomes clear to that person and will leave an impact in, in his or her life that will definitely make a difference in, in the destiny that she has without or with the Lord. So in that way, we can then afterwards together focus on two hearts, then four hearts, then 16, then 32, and move on. Then 64, yeah. <laughs> so maybe, even, you know, we don't know how long will it take for us to build a church. Uh, I know that is hard, and the, the the history that we have behind it, it, it requires a lot of effort and a lot of uh, you know time and patience. But who builds the church is the Lord. Uh, God calls us to be faithful, and that's what we are focusing on: trying to be faithful as much as we can. This is the dome. This is incredible dome. It was built around. You know, it took it took them about 200 years to build to build all the structure. Only the dome was 13 years building to build it. 13 years to build the top of this dome. And to to this day, architects are going there to study to see how Brunelleschi was able to re realize that with the tools that he had during the 1400. But you know what is most drastic? that this place was built with the money that they made by selling indulgences. And you know what is the message that they send in this building? I dare you to come here and challenge our authority. Look at who we are. We stand above all the city. Nobody can reach out to us. Look at how powerful we are. And that's the message, subtle message that they send. And uh, we, we definitely, you know, we are not scared about that. I was close to death, and God saved me. So God can take our life and He controls our life. Not that they, they cannot tend uh, to kill us, but they're going to be persecution anyway. They build it on a false understanding of Matthew 16, 18, thinking that Peter would be the rock on which the, the church will be built. Maybe Peter is one of the little rocks. And together we are all part of the building of the church. But the statement that Peter by the grace of God, declare that you are the Christ, the Son of God. On that statement, the church is built. And we want to be sure that the people around Florence will know about this. The province of Florence is about 1 million people, 42 cities in the province of Florence, 378,000 people in Florence, only 29 evangelical churches uh, in the entire province of Florence. And when I say 29, I'm, I'm including all broad prospective evangelical churches, from way heavy charismatic to even, you know, more liberal. I don't know if you're familiar with the Valdensians here in the States, probably not. The Valdensians were part of the Reformation back in the 1400s. 
and they were 14, 1500. They were one of the most uh, faithful group of uh, people who were faithfully sharing the gospel. To today, the Valdensians are completely liberal. They have a completely gone towards the social gospel, and they have all adopted all sorts of postmodern mentality. They celebrate the first uh, wedding in Milan between gay people, even before Roman Catholicism. Think about that. So 29 evangelical churches, except, you know, Roman Catholic. But from these 29 evangelical churches, very few are conservative. And most of, the, most of them, they struggle with doctrines that are a challenge, but we, we, still, we still love them, that are, you know, Armenian in, in, in theology, Armenianist in theology, which uh, it can be a challenge when it comes to security of salvation or how to faithfully walk with the Lord and find uh, rest in the gospel rather than trying to achieve your own uh, goodness uh, as Arminianism teaches. So there is a lot of work to do even among the evangelical church. Most importantly, we located in an area called Covert Channel. It's about 80,000 people, and in that area there are no presence of any evangelical church, of any denomination, or no nothing there. So there is no presence at all. This is the area. The, the little bubble shows, shows you where we are. In the bigger perspective, that's the entire city of Florence, and that is just the, the area of Covert Channel. About 80,000 people here, and no evangelical church at all. And uh, so, how do you call this lady? How do you call this object? Is it what? Binocular. Good, yeah. Sometimes I don't remember, so I ask for. <laughs> so, it's a binocular. Well, you go up in the, uh, on the dome, right? You can take all the stairs, walk a lot of stairs, up, upstairs there, and get the point where you can put your eyes and that binocular, and you can see a lot of beautiful things through that. Colors, you know, the, the different buildings, the different places are, and the landscape, and so on and so forth. But if for a second that binocular was like a special binocular, it could break through the walls, that's what you will see. There you will see altars. Now, this is a little bit exaggeration, but this is a real uh, thing. It's not made up. That's a real thing that sometimes you can find in the houses of Roman Catholics. There are altars where they raise their worship to Mary, to the saints, and to, you know, all sorts of um, uh, mysticism uh, belief. And, uh, and maybe even these, where they trust more popes rather than Christ. Look at the difference, the Pope and Jesus. Jesus is on the cross, dead. He cannot do anything for you. Where would you go? Look at Paul John, uh, John Paul II, the Pope Benedict, and Pope Francis. They are all beautiful, smiling and stretching their hands. And actually, underneath the uh, underneath uh, the, the picture of Francis says, uh, "Holy Father, smile and bless this family, friend of TRSP." TRSP is the radio station. Basically, uh, it's a, like an advertisement. You give the money to the radio, and the Pope will bless you. So that's the mentality, and that's what you find in many, many houses in Italy. 
But even more, if you could, can go back to this binocular, and you not know, just break through the wall, but break through right in the heart, you will see darkness. You will see a beautiful city that is contaminated by, the, by an evil heart, by evil hearts. And that's where we respond to a call. And he, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Now, m this is the most quoted verse that every missionary uh, uses. That's the, the most famous. And many times, not always, but many times, they stop here. We need to read what comes after that. And this is what's coming after. Isaiah 9 and 10 God says to Isaiah, say, go and say to these people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull in their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now think about this. Italy is what it is now, because not something escaped from control of God. God wants Italy right at this time, at this moment, lost in their idolatry, lost in their false worship. And it's a judgment that God has on the nation of Israel. And that is a serious message. The gospel is a two-way message. It's a message of condemnation for those who reject it, and a message of salvation for those who accept it. And there is a big difference now, though, with the work that the Lord is doing among the churches in sending missionaries to Italy. Why do we send missionaries to Italy? Because God is bringing a revival in Italy. God is changing little by little, step by step, trying to change a heart's nation, a heart of a nation, one heart at a time, one step at a time, one person at a time. So... We need to be sure that before we can even go there, the Holy Spirit will be before us, going in front of us, going ahead of us to prepare the heart of those who have been elected, those who have been ordained to be sons and daughters of the precious God who we worship. So that's where you come in and uh, as wives, Please bring back this news to your husbands, to your family. Please encourage people to pray for the missionaries that we have in Italy. And obviously, this is focused, you know, because I'm Italian, I'm focusing on Italy. But there is everywhere the need. You know where the Lord is calling uh, people to serve. So if you remember about Italy, remember about us, remember about Johnny Gavino, remember about Lucio Stanishi, remember about Massimo Mollica, Matt Johnston, Raffaele Spitale. Remember that these people are fighting, we are fighting for the gospel. We are fighting to win souls for, for God, knowing and resting on the fact that ultimately God is the one who opens the heart. God is the one who opens the eyes. God is the one who makes the ears sensible to the gospel. That reason we need your prayer. We need your prayers. And as I said in the chapel, think about down in the road, many years from now or maybe tomorrow, we will be in heaven knowing and meeting people that you've been praying for 
that then you never met here on earth. They will come to you and say, thank you for praying for me. Because through your prayers, the gospel got to my my nation, my, my place, my city, my home. And I could hear and believe in Christ. And as Jesus appeared in the, in the resurrection time, appeared before his disciples with the unbelieving Thomas, that he couldn't believe that Christ rose. Then he, he was there when Jesus appeared again. And he believed in Christ, not because he saw, but because Jesus Christ said, do not be any more unbelievers, but believe. He commanded him to believe. And when Christ commands to believe, there's nothing can stop a person to believe. When it's a command that Christ gives, then we must believe. So pray that Christ uh, will command people to believe in Italy, which is His will, and that people will immediately respond in belief to His call. But for now, we are ready to leave. <laughs> they offered us a special, a special aircraft. I don't know if I shall I accept it. Well, we love uh, the time we spend with you. And uh, please, uh, if you have any questions, you know, very, you're very welcome. Uh, central Eastern part. Uh, we are same level of Rome, opposite side. So basically, if you look at... Thank you. If you look at Rome, you cross a line. On the uh, towards the Adriatic, Adriatic Sea, we live right there in a, a town called Vasto, V-A-S-T-O, and uh, that's where I grew up. Was was born. We she was born in Germany, and but we met there and grew up there and part, be part of the Evangelical Church there. Thank you. Yes, man. Yeah, it, it seems that is an occurring in a very early stage. Uh, normally, pancreatic cancer is found out only when, uh, with the side effects, when it's just six months before, uh, so before you die. But because of sepsis, which is completely unrelated to the issue, uh, doing the, all the checkups where you know they were able to look, you know, uh, see the lesion on the tail of the pancreas. Yes, uh, absolutely, Dolores. You know that you know the the money is, as you said, is the last thing, the last action. But definitely, will it will be a reminder as you might donate ten dollars for the ministry in Italy. As you submitted that ten dollars a month, you will remember to pray for the souls, to pray for the ministries, uh, to pray for the missionaries. Uh, you know, you're blessed to be here. Become a church. Uh, there's no threat. There's no challenge. You're welcome. You create your own friendships. And uh, you have all the beauty of being here and have everything ready. It's not the way in Italy. Uh, for a long time, we will be alone. And even, you know, we will be a, a team of two or three couples. It's that's all you can get. Six people gathering together, praying together, and uh, just do the ministry together. But only six people. So think about how blessed you are, 
And uh, not because you've done anything good. It's just God's goodness that places you here. So that's great. So at the same time, uh, we might hope and uh, pray that the Lord will give us a solid church, which is absent now. In Florence, there is a small, small reality that we want to encourage. We want to be sure that they will be encouraged by our presence, not threat by our presence. I want to be sure that they understand that we are there to help them, to flourish them. That, but at the same time, we hope that the Lord will use us to establish a, a solid ministry. And unfortunately, if I could choose, I would rather not, you know, trying to raise money. But fortunately, uh, that, that's not the case. God humbles us in, uh, in the process. And uh, we, we definitely, the ministry needs support. So, pray for that. Pray, yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah. The Florentine people—they—they they believe that they are the best of the best of Italians. They are the pure Italians. Anything, any, anybody who lives outside Florence is like a second-class Italian. That's their understanding. So, think about you know somebody who comes from the southern part of Italy, moving to Florence, and telling to believe in another gospel, which is, there is not a, a gospel at all, believing in the true gospel, that they will look at it and say, oh, so who are you to come and judge us, right? So it's going to be hard. Uh, and the Florentine people are pretty open to let you know what they think about you. <laughs> yes, well, the, the new generation is growing up, as I said, with a really strong mentality, which is postmodern mentality. My truth is my truth. You, you know, I dare you to challenge my truth. You know, who are you to tell me that what I'm saying is not truth? It's very postmodern. And there is a lot of nom nominalism. Uh, they will still go to church for the big events. Uh, but at the same time, if you ask specific questions, they will say, oh, probably there is a God. Who knows? So, if you ask questions like, uh, if you ask questions like, uh, what are the seven sacraments, uh, and uh, what are the, the basic teaching? Uh, do you know anything about the Bible? And sometimes I had this conversation with Roman Catholics that they believe that the gospel were different from the Bible, that the gospel, the gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were just. Uh, the only thing, and the Bible is like, oh, an old book. So they, 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 the lady didn't even know that the, the gospel are part of the Bible. The th the, she thought that the gospel were something else, and that the Bible is an ancient book that is it's not for Christians. So, so there is a, the new generation is growing indifferent in to any form of teaching. Really, uh, and, and think about this. I have, I think that they asked Paul Pratzinger to step down because he's no, he wasn't really well done. He was a dry, distant pope. He wasn't among the people. He was a theologian, spending most of the time inside the walls, you not know, doing anything to reach out to the people. And so they lost a lot of uh, consensus, a lot of, uh, what's the English term? Uh, in uh, popularity, yeah, they lost the, the kind of affection from the people. So, so some, in some way, they, they wanted to solve the problem, 
with all the scandals and pre-scandals. So they want to have a pope that was more present. And Pope Francis is really, you know, like when he appears, it's like sun shining. And everybody, oh, look at here. Everybody welcomes here. He doesn't judge anybody. He welcomes everybody and so on and so forth. And obviously his belief is, the publicly said, that after you worship Buddha, you worship who you worship, we're going to go all to heaven. So you were... The church in 2008, in 2003, uh, I was basically left alone to run the church. And there was a friend of mine from the southern part of Italy who was moving and transitioning to a different ministry. I met with him. We, you know, we, we made a plan. He moved to our own church. He's now the senior pastor of the church. And that church is very flourishing. There are about 60, 65 people. And it's one of the most uh, faithful church in, uh, in the region. Yeah, praise God. Yes, ma'am? Yeah, the government, uh, they don't recognize any, any other church except Roman Catholicism. Or if you have like an agreement where, like for instance, the Pentecostal church had an agreement with the, with the government, uh, and then you stipulate a, like a contract with the government. But uh, that has all sorts of problems with establishing a contact with the government. So if I go there as a, as a pastor to establish a church, and for instance, I want to marry a couple, I don't have the authority before the government. I can uh, eventually go to the city hall, ask for one day permission, and marry the couple in the city hall. That's the only way I can do. But as a pastor, I don't have any legal documents. So to appear as evangelical church had to uh, create an onlus organization, non-profit organization, explaining who we are, what is our belief. Like a bylaws here, but it's like uh, establishing that so the government can understand who we are legally. And uh, But it's way more complicated than here. There is no tax deduction. There is no all the benefits. Uh, you get all the taxes on the property if you have a building for the church. So it's not like here. And sometimes local government, they will come back to you and say, you know, you want to do evangelism? I don't understand. What is evangelism? So you explain them what you're going to do. By law, I'm not, you know, even entitled to... Uh, a request, I can just communicate that on that day I will be there to do my religious presentation. And they have to say, okay, we accept, unless there is something already that is done there, and they will say, not this day, the next day. But sometimes the, the, we heard saying, them saying to us, well, I need to talk to the priest. Well, who is the priest? I mean, the priest doesn't have an authority. I mean, you run the you run the the, the city. Why you want to ask the priest? So there is still the kind of uh, and the and the right government. You know, it's very heavily influenced by uh, Roman Catholics. Thank you. <laughs> 
Well, ladies, I know you probably have many more questions, and Jean-Luc and Sonia will be up here afterwards if you would like to ask some more questions. Um, if you have children, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you now just so we can make sure that we respect our nursery workers and their willingness to serve us. So um, let's go ahead and let's pray for them. so exciting, isn't it, to see, again, similarly on the heels of hearing from Davis Prickett last week and just without a gospel witness, right, a true gospel witness, and so we have much to pray for for them. So let's close our time in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful that you are Lord, that you are God. And Father, we recognize that not one of us here in this room would be saved unless your Spirit had changed us. Lord, it's not our work, it's not our desire, Father, but it's your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, Lord, that your Spirit would move in the hearts of the people in Florence, Lord, to turn their hearts to you. And, Father, we pray that you would encourage and empower Gianluca and Sonia, Father, to not grow weary in doing good, Lord, but to trust in you, to trust in your power, Father, to trust in your work on the cross. And we ask that you would make them bold and strong in their faith, Lord. We pray for the rest of the missionaries that our church has sent out in Italy, Lord. We thank you so much for the Italian Theological Academy. We thank you for the Gravinos, the Spitalis, we thank you for Massimo and Susanna, the Molokas, the Johnstons, Lord. We thank you for Lucho. Father, all the many families that are there, Lord, and each of them are facing the same battle. They are ministering in a country, Lord, that rejects you. And, Father, we ask that you would open the hearts of the Italian people, Father, that you would call your children to yourself, that you would bless their families, Lord, that you would bless their churches and grow them in their faith, God. We thank you for Gianluca and Sonia. We pray that you would bring the rest of their support in, Father, so that they can leave and be well-equipped, Lord, to begin their ministry in Florence, God. And we're so eager to hear of the word that we will receive back through their newsletters, through their emails, Lord, of the work that you are using them for to accomplish. Father, we pray that you would keep us safe the rest of this day. In your son's name, amen. Thank you, ladies. We'll see you next week.